Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 21 91. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Maureen in New Zealand, good morning to you this uh, Tuesday morning. Pretty rough uh, around uh, parts of Hawke's Bay. I hope it's uh, a lot better where you are at the moment. Although big slips in Wellington I saw on the news uh, earlier this morning. So uh, all the best to those people down there in the capital who have got some cleaning up to do. Uh, Yes, uh, we've got a a relatively busy show today, I think it's fair to say. We're going to be focusing in on uh, a bit of Bunnings NPC rugby and particularly the Auckland side who had a pretty good win over the weekend, 36-26 to win the Battle of the Bridge, but they've got a busy week coming up. So we'll talk to Craig McGrath, who's, uh, of course, their assistant coach, and uh, get an update on how his squad is looking for the year. Give you our final Commonwealth Games medal tally update around about 9.25. Uh, then we shall open up the lines um, just after 9.30 for your calls on 0800 to win the Chemist Warehouse voucher to the value of $50. Uh, plenty to, I understand, yesterday they just... Absolutely went berserk on the All Blacks. So uh, if, though, if you missed out, then uh, come back in again today. i uh, love to hear your thoughts on uh, where you think it's heading. Um, and uh, is this the coup de grace this week uh, for uh, Ian Foster, Sam Kane and co? And is there a new hierarchy already, already in place? It would be interesting to know. Just after uh, 10 o'clock this morning, we'll talk to Aaron Young. Now, Aaron Young is the head coach for the Auckland Tuatara basketball side, of course, it's the Sales NBL Final Six this week. A lot of focus there. Hamish Bidwell and James Regan will be the panel this morning um, and we'll uh, cover a number of issues, including the All Blacks, of course, the Springboks. Uh, Kirtley Arenze was suspended for four weeks for a reckless challenge on Bowden Barrett, who we hear has passed his fitness test and will be OK to go if required this test match uh, coming up. Uh, and then uh, we shall, uh, after 11 o'clock this morning, talk to Jonathan Jensen. He is New Zealand Esports Federation CEO. A number of issues to talk about uh, after the Commonwealth Games has its new charter on the ground. So we'll just hear a little bit about Jonathan Jansen uh, after 11 o'clock. We'll have a stump smithy and other features, of course, throughout the morning. Well, it is great to see the provinces back in business at the weekend, something we can show our loyalty to and a competition we can all take some ownership over. 
It is rugby's heart and soul in this country, but there's a touch of the double-edged sword to it all. Plenty of action, big scores, lots of tries, very easy on the eye, producing our future top try scorers, speed merchants and counter-attackers. It always has been the case. But does it, does it produce the kind of player that the All Blacks need? The Malcolm Marks, the Sire Khaleesi, the Peter O'Mani, Targ Byrne, Targ Furlong type player who have been beating us up for the last 10 months or even before. Does Super Rugby do that either? Might we have to start something, uh, start sacrificing the Flash Harry stuff and start grinding a bit harder, start slowing things down, start beefing things up front? Can we do that? Can we start box kicking relentless, relentlessly with greater accuracy and be more persistent <coughs> Excuse me, and aggressive on the chase side of things? So do we actually have the cattle, as the saying goes? And will we ever have them again? The model has changed and we don't set it anymore. Number ranked teams don't do that. Uh, number five ranked teams in particular. We need to find some bodies who hurt when they hit, who start shifting people in the collision areas the way we are currently getting bullied. Because there is not enough Caleb Clark moments in the game for the All Blacks anymore. Those pieces of individual brilliance that before seemed enough. We will win the odd one with that. And we'll still get beat, uh, beat up the minnows when we want to. But even they are closing the gap. And just how much are we missing those massive framed South Africans in Super Rugby? So I guess the message is, when watching those big score lines, don't pay attention to how much, but more how. 32-32, Might be easy on the eye and a lot of fun to look at. But if the All Blacks are, are the things that matter... 12-6, etc. may become more valuable and the low numbers on the backs becoming the MPPs. Well, the Bunnings MPC is into full swing now, which is uh, really cool. And uh, we love watching our particular provinces uh, trooping the colours that uh, we've been proud of for such a long period of time. And uh, Auckland had a good start to their uh, campaign at the weekend when they won the Battle of the Bridge 36-26, of course, over North Harbour. That was a Saturday night game. Uh, their assistant coach is Craig McGrath, who joins us on the line this morning. Craig, uh, thank you very much. A former player yourself, of course, defence coach for the Blues as well. Uh, just tell us uh, your reaction uh, to uh, that that one at the weekend. Yeah, good morning, Smithy. Thanks for having me on, um, mate. Uh, yeah, look, we're pretty happy. Obviously, um, we haven't we haven't uh, beaten North Harbour or had the Battle of the Bridge Trophy in a long time, so it was um, it was good to get it home and um, with a better second half performance, most definitely. So, um, yeah, no, pleasing. Great to get your teeth into a season two after what happened to you guys last year. Yeah, definitely, mate. Like it's it's funny. Um, We've only played three games in two years, so you know two last year and one today. Uh, this year, so um, yeah, the boys are uh, they're really excited, and obviously we've got a storm week this week. Um, play Manu two tomorrow night, and uh, just a great opportunity for us to um, sink our teeth, like you say, into some more games and um, give everyone a run. So it's good. What do you uh, take out of um, of the game uh, on Saturday night? Well, I mean, you were down twenty six fifteen shortly after half time. What changed for you? What turned it around? Oh, look, we we discussed um, our game and what we've been working on in the uh, short preseason that we had, and and going back to that because what we delivered in the first half didn't really um, 
didn't show any signs of anything we'd done in the preseason. So um, we went back to that, back to those couple of things. And um, look, they they had a yellow card too, but we exploited that really well. Um, we took our opportunities and and scored uh, quite a few points with our they are down to 14. So that makes it a bit easier. But um, no, we just went back to our what we'd been working on and what we thought was the strength of ours. And um, yeah, then we we executed it really well. So 21 unanswered points went from 26-15 to 36-26, which was a fantastic turnaround. So, uh, yeah. what were those? What are uh, what are those key? What, what is your game plan as such that you, that you went back to? Oh, look, we talked about our kicking game and and looking after the ball. Um, it's funny, you know, I just heard you talking about winning some collisions, and we talked about those things too around the breakdown, both sides of the ball. Um, you know, we went we went doing that, and Harbour were doing a really good job in that space. They were. They were winning everything, you know, collisions. Um, they scored some really good tries themselves. But um, we, we just went back to the things that we, we talked about all pre-season was play some territory and kick some contestables because we think we're good in the air and, um, and competing for the ball and turn a, a 50-50 kick into a 80-20 with our chase line and our our competitiveness to get up in the air to, to get the ball back and then play again, you know. So that was, that was what we went to um, in that second half. Craig, tell us a wee bit about your squad this year, uh, one game under the belt, but uh, just reading a little bit behind the scenes about it, 31 Auckland Rugby Academy graduates out of a squad of 41. That uh, must be very pleasing for local rugby. Yeah, we're, we're pretty pretty chuffed with what we've done. You know, we had, um, I think last year, we had eight debuts within our, um, those two games, over two games, and then by the end of this week, we'll probably have uh, another nine um, guys getting debuts, so it's um, exciting. Um, we spent a bit of time in our academy space. Um, Stephen Bates, in particular, has done a great job there, along with Dan Bowden and Brent Ward, who's the academy manager. So they've done a really good job in developing these young boys and bringing them through. Um, and one, I guess, um, we've done a really good job on identifying the talent that is coming out of school rugby um, and then putting them into our program and our system. So, yeah, we're really wrapped with... Um, with the development process that we've been going through. Can you take, talk us through your, your you mentioned uh, Batesy, of course, um, in terms of uh, the development side of things. What, what about the coaching structure w- alongside the team this year? Yeah, look, we've got um, Census Johnson, who played for Money Samoa, and um, he's a, uh, obviously played a lot of time in France, and he's come back uh, back to New Zealand, and he's our scrum coach. and um, he, He's bringing something different, you know, and I think that's um, something that, we were really keen on was getting a different idea and a different viewpoint on things, um, and from Europe, um, and that's, you know, that's not saying that what we do back here is 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 not good, but it's just we've got to have our eyes wide open and look at other avenues to maybe make our players better. And Census has definitely brought that with um, with him. Um, and then we've got young John O'Hickey, um, who's still running around for Grammar Tech. He's he's our tag coach. Um, John is a really even temperamented guy and has got some really good ideas and has done some good stuff with our attack and obviously um, we're just building into the game and um, hopefully we're, we're going to be there thereabouts around the pointy end of the season and um, yeah we're just hopefully looking forward to getting better in all parts of our game because it's such a we've had such a short pre-season Craig, you're in, in, you've always had a, a bit of an affinity along with the, the, the defensive side of coaching as well uh, in your role, I, I just wonder you, when you when you look at organising a defence, 
what are we talking about? Are we talking about collective line speed, or what? What? Who's organising? Who's doing the calling in, in those sorts of areas? Oh, look, we we have a real. Um, we try and keep things quite simple, and we talk a lot about um, pressuring skills. So, pressuring the, and trying to get things back on our terms, and um, you know, a lot of times attack. Defence will say uh, we, we'll be reactive to what the attack does, and we have a little bit of a different mindset of we'll, we'll, we'll do something and see how the attack reacts. So um, that's our mindset um, here at Auckland, and we're just trying to apply some um, skill pressure and test the, the skills of uh, opposition attack. And um, you know, a lot of and it's a collective thing. It, it can't be you can't have pressure at the ball in one space and then pressure out wide. No pressure out wide. You know, it just. You can't provide any out, so it's a collective thing, most definitely. Who are your leadership group uh, on the on the field of play? Oh, obviously Harry's our captain. You know, Harry Plummer, he's uh, he's our captain, but he's ably assisted by um, you know Alex Hodgman, and um, you know he's got um, you know uh, when Bryce comes back for his team, um, but we've also got young guys, young leaders who are coming through. So like Zane Sullivan has shown some really good leadership. Um, and you've got Lenny Uppersoy in our front row, who's who's leading our pack, and along with Marcel Venator. So that those three boys up front are doing a really good job in leading our pack. And then you've got Zayn and Harry in the out the back um, looking after things. And um, a young boy, young Telfa Fulanaki, who's um, a young nine, but he's been around our um, walking rack for the last three years, and in behind Jonathan Ruru, and he's he's really um, starting to find his feet now. I'm excited about the prospect of him growing in the CPC. Craig, you've named a very experienced squad overall, if you look at it on paper, but the question is when will uh, and if will you have uh, availability from some of those more senior players who are committed to a higher level? Uh, do you just have to play a waiting game there? You, you look at it, for, a, a, for instance, a guy like Roger Tuovasa-Sheik, who you know, may or may not be involved this week uh, over there in South Africa. When he comes home, etc., do, do you have access to those guys? Are, are you working constantly with availability of those senior players? Uh, look, look, that's a decision that's out of our hands. So, you know, that's Fozzie and his, his boys up above us who will make that decision. And um, look, if, if they they come back, it'll be fantastic. Um, you know, it'll be great to have a player of Roger's ability back with our group. But currently, we just carry on working with the players that we've got and developing our young guys. You know, like young Corey Evans again. You know, he only he's played four games for Auckland and he's nearly played more games for the Blues than he has for Auckland. So it's like, you know, we just got to continue to develop him and. And, and continue to grow those young players that we've got in our academy and um, get them ready. And uh, if we do get players back, well, then we welcome them with open arms and, um, you know, they come back to our family, our whanau, and um, be part of the group and they'll definitely add um, and they're always welcome. Do you have much consultation um, with Leon? Obviously, a major feeder through to the Blues, etc., as the Auckland provincial side. So do you have much consultation with, with uh, Leon throughout the, uh, the yeah. course of the season? Yeah, me and Leon catch up for coffees every now and then, and um, yeah, we chew the fat around uh, the game and how obviously Leon has a, Leon has a real interest in how his, the, the Blues players are going in our in our campaign. Um, but yeah, look, we're definitely in an aligned approach across Auckland rugby and the Blues. Um, you know, because obviously myself and Bates here are involved with the Blues, it, it makes sense to to keep things um, quite similar. And then the majority of our group is. Um, uh, play for the Blues uh, or involved in the wider training group so you know if we for example we try to keep things like terminology and 
very similar. Um, we try to keep game style very similar, but you know, we still got to give um, our Auckland flavour to it too at the same time. But um, just for consistency and continuity, it's a lot easier at times just to use the um, same terminology. When it comes to coach, sorry, so I was just I was just going to ask you about your coaching style, your own coaching style, Craig, because of course uh, you've uh, spent some time in Ireland. Uh, I just wonder, is when they, when it looks at this level of rugby, etc., is the coaching style any different um, that you've experienced in Ireland as a, as opposed to the, the coaching style we try to implement back here? I mean, for instance, are they more are they more forward orientated? Are they more collision orientated uh, than us? Oh, it is funny. Um, when I when my first time in Ireland coaching, and wasn't at a great level, but um, up there, but we had a we had a game and we got absolutely belted. And then one an old grumpy Irish front rower came up to me and said to me, "We need to do more contact." And I was like, "Oh, really? Oh, okay." And uh, no surprise, we did some more contact that week, and we got a bit of a turnaround. So yeah, they definitely. Uh, they train a lot different to what we do um, back here, so they love collisions and they feel like they're, they're happy to go with that and that's their game and that's how they, they train, so yeah, it's a little bit different, but Okay, okay Storm, week, as you, Storm Week as you said, Craig, um, which means a busy week, uh, on the road so first up uh, tomorrow night to Manawatu on the back of a uh, bit of a hiding from Canterbury, <clears throat> the turbos might bounce back a wee bit, what are you going to be wary there? Oh, look, yeah, I think they just met a really good Canterbury side that night. Um, you know, we're 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 going to be up. Uh, we're excited about the challenge. We're definitely with the storm week. You know, um, away to Manawatu and then away to Southland. Um, yeah, look, they're going to bounce back. They're going to. They'll be hungry. They'll. They won't be happy with the way they played. So we were we're expecting a reaction, and um, we're really prepared for that. Um, you know, and it's just again we're excited about the opportunity for all of our squad members to get a run this week to play and put their best foot forward uh, before, as we head into the um, continuation of the season. So just gives us an opportunity to look at um, everyone, really. Which includes uh, the trip to Invercargill as well. Do you come home or are you just uh, constantly on the road? No, we're coming home. Um, we, 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 we discussed about going down to Manawatu and then staying down there and um, staying down as a squad. But um, obviously uh, we thought it was better to come back and be in our own homes, um, sleep in our own beds, and then also from a training perspective, uh, having the ability to train 15 on 15 uh, rather than, um, you know, not having that was, um, it was the, the positives outweighed the negatives about staying, so we decided to come home. Southland looked pretty good. Um, they were a little bit stiff, actually. You, know, you go on the road to Tasman these days and you're pretty much up against it. That, was a, that looked a worthy Southland performance. Southland have been proving, you know, they've under Dale Cloud, you know, they've um, and they've got some experienced guys come back, Josh Beckwith, um, you know, and obviously they've got Marty Banks in there leading and, and directing them around the field. Um, yeah, I was impressed by them, um, but I've been impressed by them in the last uh, couple of years. And like I said, they've they've been steadily improving and um, they're doing some really good things. So, yeah, another massive challenge, especially down there, and I don't know how cold it's meant to be, but I'm, I'm assuming it'll be cold, so it'll be... Yeah, they'll be waiting for us. Uh, Aucklanders down there to give us a lovely, warm um, welcome. I know doubt it's many. Well, Craig, I can tell you, I've read, just read an article on stuff that said it's going to be one of the coldest weeks of the year. So, um, if that's anything to go by, if it's anything to go by, I'd be rugging up when I get down there. You, you Auckland boys. 
Oh, I'm going to have to ask Grant Wilson, our manager, for a warmer jacket, but by the sound of it. <laughs> hey, look, enjoy. I mean, often the road trips, uh, you know, where you're away from home are a, a great opportunity to uh, to blend a squad, aren't they? Yeah, most definitely, and that's what we're looking forward to, and that's what we're excited about this whole week is, um, you know, as we said uh, at the start of pre-season, you know, the first five weeks, you know, three weeks of pre-season and two weeks into the, into the competition is everyone's going to play, and we're excited about that. We're excited about seeing all our players and our squad get an opportunity and you know, we're we're looking forward to. It. We're probably going to uh, we're going to have another few debuts tomorrow night, and then we'll have another few debuts um, on Saturday, on Sunday down in Chicago. And you know, it's um, it's just I think it's a really exciting time for us. We're we're looking forward to. It. Good on you, mate. Uh, thanks very much for giving us some time this morning uh, and a very busy week. Uh, good luck with that uh, with Storm Weekend for the rest of the season. Thanks for the chat, Craig. Cheers, mate. Thanks, mate. Just uh, Craig McGrath there is the assistant coach, of course, of uh, the uh, Auckland NPC side, and uh, his uh, role is very, very important uh, within the group. Um, and I was interested to try and get a take on uh, the, the way they handle the defensive side of things, uh, because uh, it's so, so uh, crucial to um, to that. If you can get those patterns right at that level, makes it easier when you go to the higher levels. Nine twenty-three here on SCNZ. Smithy's Metal Tally Update. Give your tech the winning edge of this Commonwealth Games with the experts at Noel Leeming. Well, this is the final medal tally update for the Commonwealth Games of 2022. Australia, 178 medals in total, 67 golds, 57 silver, 54 bronze. Only two collective medals ahead of England. 57 gold, 66 silver, and 53 bronze. Canada, firmly into third spot, uh, 26 golds, 32 silver, 34 bronze, a total of 92. Uh, India snuck above us, uh, the 22 golds uh, for India with 16 silvers, 23, 61 medals in all. Uh, And us, one of our best ever, perhaps could be the best ever, is it? Uh, 20 golds. 20 silvers, 17 bronze on the back of the last one. The gold won by Joelle King and Amanda Landis-Murphy in the women's doubles squash. And uh, what a great turnaround it was the last few days for Joelle King, who was distraught at not getting a medal in either the singles, uh, or any medal in the singles when she was uh, perhaps the top seed going into it. She broke down, basically. Well, she found some uh, resolve and found some strength. Uh, The gold with Paul Cole. A gold with Amanda landis Jiffy, so a good turnaround for Joel King. And in the end, the, those two ladies had the last say of a fantastic, absolutely fantastic Commonwealth Games on the great, on the back of a great medal tally from New Zealand's point of view. An absolute beauty. Right, uh, we shall reflect on that again. Uh, of course, we can do that um, after the 9.30 news coming up. Uh, when you call us on 0800 150811, we can talk about that. There's a chemist warehouse voucher to the value of $50 up for grabs there, but also um, the All Blacks and uh, the NPC. Love to hear your thoughts on that. Actually, do we have the cattle? Are you convinced now that we do have the cattle? Is it, uh, is it the players who are perhaps not matching it with the opposition in terms of size and strength, which is starting to hurt us, or is it still, you say, the coaching? 9.30 here on SENZ. Here's Araha. Talkback Time with Smithy. Brought to you by Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Call now for a chance to win today's $50 Chemist Warehouse voucher. 0800 150 
811. here on SENZ and uh, our first caller this morning is uh, Jeff the Ref from Cromwell. Jeff, good morning to you. Yeah, morning Smithy. Uh, What happened to you yesterday? Did you lose the old handle at the golf or something? (laughs) No, no, no. Look, travel day. Had to come back from uh, MPC Rugby on Sunday and the the limited flights available. Couldn't get home on Sunday night. Had to wait for uh, Monday morning, mate. So I took a day of annual leave and just reflected on uh, the weekend. That, that's what it was about, Jeff. How, how about you? Yeah, well, I enjoyed the NPC. Unfortunately, the old mighty Otago went down in that last minute. But some, you know, a few games like that, weren't there? There's some um, some young talent on show, which is great. You know, I mean, the future looks bright, no doubt about that. That's uh, that's where the money should be going into from the Silver Lakes and below, hopefully, uh, to keep those young guys in the game and coming through. But um, yeah, I enjoyed that Commonwealth Games. Uh, yep, I lost a bit of sleep over that, but uh, it was worth it. There's some, you know, gold medals or every anybody that made the podium. It's fantastic, and we did bloody well, didn't we? Uh, in that respect, uh, with like 20 gold, um, some great highlights there. Um, in fact, I watched the highlights this morning again of all the golds, you know, which is fantastic. Uh, just regarding. I, I agree with your sermon this morning, uh, Smithy. Uh, super rugby, and I've always been, you know, from a, from a spectator's point of view and a referee's point of view, um, that the super rugby is for entertainment, and that's what we like to see. Plenty of tries, open flying rugby, but it, unfortunately it's refereed differently, and it's played differently than test matches, and that's where our super rugby players that are in the ABs now are struggling to step up to that next level. But, you know, um, so those young fellas obviously need game time at test match level. Um, so, yeah. Uh, like, it's funny, isn't it? Like, I mean, just not very long ago, we sort of got a bit bored with the All Blacks winning by 20 points or more, which was sort of given. Um, and then we also criticised the referees for making missing things or making mistakes. So we wanted to get the TMO involved. And it's, it's funny how things have sort of revolved around that now. That are too involved. The ARs get too involved, you know. But uh, yeah, just we're a bit fickle at times, Smithy, um, as, as supporters. Um, and I think there's got to be change. That cultural change. I mean, I know from a referee's point of view. Um, when I went, uh, moved from a different co- um, province to another province, it's having that culture and an enjoyment factor, and that that way I performed better personally myself under the right regime, culture, and and support really, and that, and that's what the I think uh, the All Blacks need: get, finding the right culture and support mechanism. Really, what do you- okay. Fantastic, Jeff. I think you're right. Um, I think um, I think there's a lot of good points that you made there. Uh, one thing, um, Jeff, I'd like to uh, uh, give some thought to this and give us maybe a call back tomorrow um, on this one. Uh, in terms of the refereeing side of things, take the TMO out of MPC Rugby. Take them out. Uh, one, it causes less delays. Two, two, it makes referees better and trains them better and makes them more accountable and gives them the ability 
to make decisions by themselves without help. And at the end of the day, that will make them better referees. Jeff, give that some thought. Give us a, che- a call tomorrow. Uh, Dean, Dino from Dunedin, good morning to you. I've got a reader headline here. We've got the cattle in Christchurch, you reckon? Oh, we always have. Like, there's something about work. It's like a swear word in New Zealand now, but National got it sorted. Haven't they? Three months, and then you're going to be told bugger off, get a job, or you're not getting paid. That's the best news I've heard in a long time. But the cattle there, they go for a, a working young lad that could be a university, could be a school plan first, just being totally overcoached rugby. But he, at the school holidays, he goes home and he walks around the hills and he does the hard yards. And that, that's, just, that's just what's lacking, I reckon. We've got too many flash gym shoes hanging around a mall in a coffee shop or outside the hairdresser with a nice-looking blonde girl in there. And then we go in and we get a blonde hairdo. I mean, I can't work that out. But that's all got to stop. But don't worry about it. It's perfect, perfect timing. Argentina, Christchurch, Razor at home. It's obvious. Robinson stayed over there. They had to win the first test. That must have been what he was told. Because you've got to give Razor time. You can't just ring him on Monday, sack someone on Monday. You don't have to sack him because he's not going to stand down. So he's going to be the first. He's going to have all the records. It's a shame he's not the Beatles because people will buy it. But no one's going to buy his record. No one wants it. But this new man will take over. And at the moment, there's a thing going around in New Zealand team sport. And if we're going to the 2023 World Cup and we're offered the bronze medal right now, we'll take that and we'll move on to 2027 and win the damn thing. But the one thing I'll say, if Razor gets the men to the final, France don't want to play us. Every team on the planet, don't, they want to play us now under Forrester, but as soon as the penny drops on Monday morning, they're all TAB odds will change and they're all sitting back thinking, oh my God, here we go. Because he's got the belief, the players love him, and the breakdancing, people go on about, what's he doing that for? He does that. The players want him to do that. He couldn't give two hoots about a breakdance. He'd rather pack up the trophy, go to the beach, and do some surfing, because he's got an out from rugby. It, I think it's simple. Just Let's just wait and see. Okay, we'll do exactly that, Dino. We shall wait and see. Um, I think you're probably pretty close to being on the right track. Uh, I'm not even sure a, a, a turnaround victory this weekend uh, would make much difference, or whether it should, actually. Mikey, also from uh, Christchurch there. Mikey, good morning to you. Oh, good day, Ian. Hey, a couple of things, one about NPC and one about your sermon. Um, I sat down on Saturday night to watch the TVNZ, which is I thought was our national carrier of news, and uh, they had nothing on uh, the NPC, and they had something about the Auckland, some Auckland club rugby game. Like, I could care less about that, but NPC for the country, well, definitely. So I thought, well, maybe that's just an Auckland thing, but no, sit down Sunday night to watch the, uh, the uh, TVNZ News, nothing about the Battle of the Bridge at all. And people were like, well, no one goes to the games, and, you know, is NPC, do people watch it anymore? Well, if, you, if your national station's not even going to talk about it, well, I think that's a bit of a worry. Sky break, uh, is it break the breakdown on Sky? They had half an hour on the yes. All Blacks, and then, then nothing. And I don't know, did I miss something last night? Did they, are they going to do anything on the NPC? I thought that was uh, very, very strange, and that's Sky who, who cover it. Um, weird. Well, why would that be? I, I think it's because uh, at the moment, normally we have a program uh, called Rugby Nation, I think it's called, and that just reflects all the action of, of games over the weekend, Mikey. Uh, um, okay. I'm not quite, I, was, I was working myself at the weekend, so 
I didn't have the opportunity to watch that. But normally speaking, they have on a Sunday afternoon um, the opportunity or uh, maybe early evening to reflect on games over the weekend. And that has normally been the case there. And I would have thought that <coughs> that was the window of opportunity there. Uh, but of course, the focus on I mean, the I know, I know, now, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know some of the guys are overseas, but they could have got you on that panel. You were in good. Hey, um, regarding your sermon as well, it's it's a really interesting one about um, the forward play because I guess with um, there were some big scores over the weekend for NPC, but I mean, if you're coaching a team and it's working for you that you're scoring, you know, razzle dazzle rugby all over the field, you're just going to go with it, aren't you? I mean, at the end of the day, they they play to win, and. Uh, you know, if, if that's if that's what works for you, you're going to go with it, I think. And so that's, I think Mikey, that's probably the rock and hard place sort of situation. Mike, you used to, you know, you used to talk to coaches and they say, you yeah, before we play the razzle dazzle stuff, we have to earn the right to do that, uh, which means sure. uh, winning winning a lot of the areas up front. And I just wonder, I, I just wonder whether that is slightly disappearing out of it because you know that uh, the flamboyant side of the game is going to open up at some stage and. That's where you want to get your money, your seven pointers. But are we doing the hard stuff up front to train us to do the hard stuff up front when it comes to the test matches? Uh, Mikey, thank you very much for that. Joey uh, from Auckland. Good morning, Joey. Yeah, good day, Smithy. Um, well, we know what's going to happen with the, uh, the rugby. You know, the coach is one thing and the, and the, the captain's done another. But I want to bring up the uh, the women's cricket in uh, the Commonwealth Games. What a, what a fantastic effort from our girls to get a bronze medal. They got tailed up by England in the um, in the pool match, and they came out and you know after the the uh, what's hap- what happened in our World Cup over here where they didn't do good good at all, um, I just was so proud of them. They just did a, a, it was a fantastic effort in the end, Smithy. You know, um, those girls had been through a lot of adversity with uh, what's happened in the World Cup over here. They didn't go well at all, and you know rightly so. When when teams don't go well, just like the All Blacks, you know we can have a, 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 as a pundits. You know, have a little uh, dig at them and everything, but they've come back and they've bounced back pretty good. You know, and and um, the captain Sophie Devine was fantastic. You know, and so was Susie Bates. You know, the bowlers the bowlers bowled well. I mean, it was, it was I thought it was fantastic. Well, uh, Joey, I, I, I'm not going to eat humble pie here, but I am going to say congratulations to them. Um, and uh, you know, I, I applaud the effort. If you'd have said to them at the start of that uh, tournament, you'll come away with a medal. I would have um, been mildly surprised myself because they just weren't playing well enough. And they're too, still, for me, too top-heavy. Um, the reason why, of course, we perform well, Sophie Devine or Susie Bates or, um, at the moment, um, you know, Amelia Kerr, front up in the top three. Uh, and if they do that, we get a starter's chance. We get a starter's chance. If they don't, uh, we can see that we can be all out for 60, 70, 80. So we're a bit top-heavy there, Joey, but uh, I, I agree with you. Uh, that was a, a much, much better performance, a much better performance in the final, and uh, a major surprise to me that England uh, walked away from uh, their own tournament without any reward whatsoever. Arjuna uh, from Taupo. Arjuna, uh, good morning to you. Good morning, Ian. How are you? Really good, thanks. How's Taupo this morning? A bit chilly? Oh, yeah, look, I'm actually in uh, Queenstown, and I'm just um, quite... Um, quite uh, grateful that I discovered your, your show because I'm here skiing but I ended up uh, injuring my knee on the first day so what kept me uh, straight and narrow is listening to your show so thanks very much for that 
No problem at all. Uh, what's, what's on your mind, uh, uh, Juno, down there in Queenstown? Oh, look, I just wanted to um, have a little chat about the um, the uh, All Blacks and um, what's been going on. And I think um, the main thing, what I think has been happening, is that um, the All Blacks and the current management team have lost the reason why to be an All Black. Um, you know, and like like a while ago, you heard uh, Richie McCaw talking about it, and he, he said that the reason he gets up to play is that he wants to leave the jersey in a better place than where he found it. And that's their why. I mean, why is very, very important. If you look at, say, what Apple did with Steve Jobs, his why was to leave, um, to challenge the status quo. So if you have that focus, then everything else sort of goes into that. And I think when with the way that um, the um, game has been played, the way it's been coached, the way our selections are done, I think a lot of it has lost the reason why the All Blacks are the All Blacks. And if you focus back on the why, then a lot of things come into focus. Um, so, you know, would you, if you're going to leave the uh, jersey in a better place, would Ian Foster be the right person to do that? Would Sam Kane be the right person to lead, lead it? And I think egos have got in the way um, with it. And if we can just focus back on our why... Um, I think a lot of things will fall into place. Mm. I think you're right, Juno. I think you make some um, <clears throat> absolutely valid points there. And and right. And, and to answer your two questions, would uh, Ian Foster and Sam Kane say they left it in a better place if they were to go tomorrow? No. I mean, the short answer is no. And you know that, and they know that as well. Uh, thanks very much uh, to everyone who's uh, contributed this morning. Juno, uh, please uh, don't be a stranger. Call back any time you like. Uh, we'd love to hear you on 0800 We'll take a, a quick break. We might still have time for a couple more after that. 9.51 here on SENZ, and the prize for the most patient person on the show today goes to Tony from Auckland. Tony, good morning to you. Good morning, Smithy. How are we? We're, we're very, very good. Ian Foster on your mind? No, no, he's not on my mind. I can't stand the guy, to be honest. He's a liar. He's a complete liar. It's written all over his face. And uh, if we don't get rid of what well, I mean, the, the writing was on the wall after the Irish tests at home. He goes and sends the same squad to South Africa. I mean, I was laughing. I was laughing. I had 13 plus the other night. I slammed a 50 on it. There's easy money. I said it last week. I rang up and said it last week, Smithy. I told everyone, all the listeners, slam that 13 plus. 11 to 20 was even good. If, if Ian Foster can't see this, then we know he can. He's not blind. He's ignorant. And Sam Kane's even more ignorant for staying as captain. He should hang up his boots and admit that he's not the captain of this team and he's, he's running it into the ground. And if the All Blacks don't wake up, we're going to fall behind again. We're going to fall behind again like we did back in the 90s and back in the early 2000s. We're going to be that team again. We don't want to be in that situation. We need to. Well, he would have been better off taking a whole lot of rookies from the NPT. They would have done a better job. Ian, Aaron Smith has had his day. Get rid of him. Bring it. Bring back Perinara. Smith has had his day. Uh, Whitelock's had his day. So half of those forwards have had their day, to be honest. You now Sam Kane's. He, he should be gone. Wow, Tony. Uh, thank you very much for your call. Um, had to wait a long time, Tony, but didn't waste his opportunity. He got uh, right into it there. And um, I think, uh, Tony, thank you so much for that. 
um, I think you're echoing uh, the thoughts of a lot of people around the country at the moment. So pretty pretty vociferous there was Tony in his thoughts uh, about who should come and who should go. Most of it, who should go. 9.53 here on SENZ. Multi four today, uh, baseball uh, to start us off. Uh, Chicago Cubs to beat the Washington Nationals at a dollar fifty. Uh, go to the women's NBA, the Dallas Wings to beat the, the New York Liberty at a dollar fifty one, and Hampshire to beat uh, Northamptonshire uh, at a dollar eighty three. And that is an English domestic one day cricket which comes up overnight tonight. Chicago Cubs into the Dallas Wings into Hampshire, uh, and that will net you four dollars fourteen as a reply. A really big happy birthday today to um, our Iron Man, our backbone of the station, Ricardo Ball. 50 today, 50 years of age today, Ricardo Ball. Always prepared to come off the bench, but uh, in his own right, a very, very good broadcaster with a wealth of all-round knowledge. So, Ricardo, I see uh, Ozzy Osbourne was uh, playing you a song at the closing ceremony of the Commonwealth Games. Just for you. Have a great day. Happy 50th, Ricardo Ball. Well, the Sal's NBL final six begins on Wednesday from 6pm when the Otago Nuggets face the Hawks Bay Hawks with an all-games all live here on SENZ. Uh, coming out of the event, Finder Stadium. The second game of that epic doubleheader from 8pm will be between the Auckland Tuatara and the Wellington Saints. And uh, having just played uh, at the weekend with uh, the Saints uh, dominating 98-80, uh, it uh, will be an interesting matchup for uh, the Tuatara. Joining us now is the head coach of their squad, Aaron Young. Good morning, Aaron. Welcome to the show. Yeah, good morning. Thanks, thanks for having us on. Uh, hey, Aaron, uh, interesting uh, that you've got a, a very quick turnaround uh, against the, the very same side. Uh, didn't quite go your way at, at the weekend. Uh, what have you learnt from that? I think, uh, the, you know, a couple of things that really stood out was just, you know, we didn't do the things that we kind of, prepared for and planned for so you know I guess the opportunity is there to to regroup and uh, fix some of those things and really make our presence felt um, we know that you know that the Saints are a talented roster um, but we we do like to match up with them um, and when we found out that we were going to be playing them again it was you know straight back to the drawing board and just tweaking a few things that we could be better at and I think if we clean those up we put ourselves in a good position to get a win. Start of the season, you'd be happy with uh, the situation you find yourself in then? Yeah, we, we, we put ourselves in a really good position at the, you know, the first 10 games of the season. I think we finished 9-1 and one after those. Um, after that, we, you know, we're dealing with a lot of different circumstances and, and players in and out. Um, but I was really proud of the group for you know, getting some crucial wins and, and some crucial moments to put, us, uh, put ourselves in a position to compete for championship. And that's what it's all about. So... Everything that's happened in the past has, has happened. We're here now and uh, we're ready to go. Happy with the way the squad has uh, developed, uh, particularly uh, some of those individuals that you, you you took a punt on? Oh, absolutely. You know, just before the season, you know, putting the group together, um, you know, it was almost like we, we actually nailed in, you know, 90, 95% of the group that we wanted to kind of lock into. So um, I was really, you know, really pleased with the group that we have and everything has kind of come, come to fruition in terms of the chemistry and the way that we've all bonded together as a group. Um, and, and those are kind of, you know, those are key characteristics going into a, a final series. 
uh, we need to be as tight knit as a group as possible. So, you know, for us, it's you know, it's it's, a, it's about getting things done, but at the same time, it's about doing it together as a team. And I'm pretty confident in, in terms of what what that looks like for us. Got to shut down uh, the league MVP Xavier Cox. Uh, he's been filling up the stat sheet since his arrival in the country. Uh, how are you going to do that? Yeah, that's yeah, that's that's a big part of their team. He's a he's a super talented player, one of the best imports that we've had in this league for a number of years. Um, he's dynamic, you know. He's experienced. He's still young, but he's you know he's played in the ANBL. Um, we just have to make things tough on him. You know, he's one thing that we we do have is size and length. Um, so we we've got to be able to impact his shot selection and you know even on the the defensive uh, on the offensive end we've got to make him work. You know, he is a good defensive player. Um, he is, you know, MVP caliber player, but you know that doesn't mean that we're going to try and avoid him and go around him. We want to go at him and make him play, just like everyone else. So we're ready for the challenge, and we want to take it at him. They were three and seven to, to start the league. You were nine and one. They were three and seven. For them, it's been quite a remarkable turnaround, I guess, coinciding with the fact that they had to be a bit more patient getting their squad together. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. And you know, you knew kind of coming in the back end of the season, they were going to make some adjustments and. Um, you know, they brought in another import upshot who's been huge for them. Um, and, you know, they go, you know, six or seven deep. And those six or seven are all legitimate NBL starting rostered players. So, you know, we've we got to, you know, we got to be sharp. You know, it's not just about shutting one man down. It's a, it's a team collective unit for them. So, um, you know, I, I going into this finals, it was, you know, kind of had a mindset like we're going we're gonna to play them. Why not play them first up? Um, and I think you know we're, we're, it's a good matchup for us. Chris Johnson uh, back into the fold for you, and uh, his relationship and his linking up with Rob Lowe on court uh, may well be a big key uh, for your big men tomorrow night. Absolutely, you know, like just the the relationship, and it was so good to to be able to have CJ back for that one game against the Saints on Saturday just so that we can get him, you know, back into the fold. And, you know, he's been in this league and he played in this league last year and, and he's obviously played the start of the season. But I think just getting that one game under his belt and you saw it in the second half in the third quarter, he got himself going. And, you know, that's going to be huge for us, that, that, that connection between Rob and CJ and just playing off them. They have the ability to pass the ball. They have the ability to, to protect the rim on defense, um, something that we're going to have to really kind of lock into it and take advantage of. Aaron, I've watched quite a lot of the sales NBL this year and I've seen a lot of three-point attempts and quite a lot of successful attempts as well. Is that, is that how you've seen it? Has there been sort of, um, I won't say a hesitation to get inside in the paint and work under the under the rim, but it, it's, has it been dominated by three-pointers more so this year? Yeah, it, I think it's, it's one of those things that I think a, a lot of teams... Um, you know, like the, the the shot creation, especially with the imports. You know, a lot of teams have three imports, or if they don't have three imports, they've got two, and then a really good tall black Kiwi talented player. So, you know, just like around the world, like NBA and, and internationally, there's there's players that can create the shot, and there's not much you can do about it. So, that naturally they're going to create kind of the dominoes effect in terms of creating advantages. Um, and that's what you're seeing this year is, you know, the talent is just higher, but then you still have some young players who make mistakes and put themselves in the wrong position. So what, you know, that snowball effect of, you know, giving up a lot of uncontested threes is what you're seeing because of, you know, that balance between really talented players and then kind of a little bit of a drop uh, with the rest of the group. So, 
that was always naturally going to happen this year. I think next year probably will be a, a step down from that because you know these players will have more experience at this at this kind of level. Um, but it makes for an exciting you know brand of basketball, and um, I think it's going to make for an exciting exciting final series. Have you been happy with your three point shooting? Have you got the the three point shooters going into this series of games? <laughs> yeah, no, never satisfied with any kind of area. Um, I think we can definitely shoot the ball um, better. Um, we have the personnel to kind of stretch the floor and play four or five out, um, especially with the advantages that we're going to create through our size. We want to really try and get that inside out mindset and try and you know create something. So, and, you know, for us, we always talk about taking good shots and we should be getting great shots every possession, you know, with, with the personnel that we have. So when you get great shots, you've got to knock them in. So that's, that's our focus and we, we've got to try and execute that. On, to, uh, on Wednesday. The presence of uh, Kirk Penny uh, around the group. Uh, tell us a wee bit about that. Yeah, it was um, it was a great experience. Uh, he's you know he really made an impact off the court, and then obviously to see him perform and, and come out there and, and give it his all and you know do what he did um, was just an awesome experience for us as a group. Um, I really, you know, talked to him and, you know, thanked him for the opportunity to be able to coach him. We've, we've had a really good relationship over the years. Um, I know he was really grateful for the opportunity. Um, he just he just brings so much. Um, and and he, he's not one of those players that kind of sits back in the background. Like, he, he, he speaks up. He helps the young guys. He just loves the game so much. So, for him to come in and, and impact the group the, the way that he did in a short period of time um, was just a blessing, you know, at a really good, a really cool part of the season. So... So Aaron, and he, he'll be valuable at this time of the year, of course, because he's been around a lot of uh, playoff uh, occasions and, and big match occasions. So his presence around the group would be superb, I would imagine. But how do you, how do you get uh, through to the guys now? Now that you reach the playoff, the cutthroat side of the season, where you know if things don't go well, there isn't tomorrow, as opposed to the normal part of the league season where you can gradually work on things. What have you noticed about the group first up? I just love the way you know the where where we where we're at as a group at the moment. You know, we've been through so much as a group in terms of adversity and ups and downs this season. And, you know, the big message for the, to them is, you know, that, that was all to put us in a position to compete. So now it's all about stepping up and embracing this opportunity that we have and putting it all out there. You know, we're not worried about the next game. All we're focused on right now is the Saints um, and getting that job done. And what that looks like is just, you know, a lot of effort areas. Uh, we feel like we... When we're playing at our, at our best is when we're communicating, um, we're, you know, we're diving on loose balls. We're just working harder than the other team, and our work rate is at a high level. So, you know, if you don't if you don't step up in, in these kind of moments and, and give it give it all, your all, then you know we have some serious kind of reflecting to do. But I know as a group, I have full confidence that we are going to step up in those effort areas, and if we do that, then we give ourselves a chance in any game. Nice accolade for Dante Russo Nance, named the Youth Player of the Year. Uh, what do you think that uh, will mean for him going forward? Yeah, it's, it's a it's a great it's a great award to have. Um, you know, looking back on the on the years, there's some really, been some really um, you know high level players that have that have you know received that award, um, and, and Dante is well deserving of that. He's he's been a huge piece for us this season, um, and not just with the scoring, but I think he finished top in, in steals for the league, which is just an unbelievable, um, you know, an, a, you know, something unbelievable in itself. So he's impacting the game in multiple ways. His assists were up this year, his rebounds 
for someone that's only 17 to, to be able to impact the game at that level is, is huge. So, um, you know, I think for in terms of – and I think to answer your question, it's all about exposure and, you know, to to be able to get that award at, at, at the age of 17 – it's just going to do him a world of good around, you know, around the world, whether, you know, whatever his step, next step is, if it's going to the States, going to college, going pro, uh, he's going to, he's going to get obviously that rep- reputation and respect from a lot of coaches um, after receiving this award. Aaron, um, I know you're not, you're not probably going to um, look too much past the Saints because that's your your big mission at hand, but what have you made overall of the standard in the league and, uh, you know, the likes of uh, the Taranaki Ears? Now, at the start of the season, you'd have probably got reasonably good money that they would be number one seeds, the Taranaki Ears, uh, and the Nelson Giants, perhaps uh, the same as well. What, what do you think it's meant for the league to have those kind of sides come through and be all of a sudden the top dogs, the teams to beat? It's great, you know. It's it's something that we haven't seen in this in this league in a in a long time, or if if not ever. Um, you know that balance between one and seven or eight. You know, it's you saw it in the last round of the of the regular season. Everyone's competing for a, a spot to make the playoffs. I love the new format. You know, six teams making it in. Um, but you know, if in saying that, like if if, if it was back into the uh, in the in the old format, the Airs and Giants would still be one and two. And that just goes to show you, you know, the work that's been put in around this league to, to really balance things out and, um, you know, bring in external players. I think with the Giants, they really, uh, they really hit it on the head in terms of getting great imports in, you know, three quality imports. I look at the, both of their teams and they've got three guys that can, you know, legitimately impact the game in different ways. And when you do that and you surround it with, you know, a good local group or, you know, experienced group, which both, t- both of those teams have done, it makes for a t- uh, you know a, t- um, a really tough outfit to try and go, go and compete against. So um, it's great for the league, and we're just excited you know to to go you know get a matchup with them later down if, if that's if that's what happens. But you know credit to them, they put themselves in a position to compete for that championship, and um, both of both of those teams have coached well, and we're excited about that matchup later on. Okay, well, well, we'll leave it at that, Aaron. Uh, I know you've got uh, pressing matters to, to deal with, and that includes, uh, of course. Um, the uh, the Saints first up. Uh, what a hell of a matchup turning around uh, a slight um, deficit over the weekend, but uh, sounds like you're pretty confident you can do it. Um, congratulations on getting the franchise uh, in their first year to this particular point, and I hope it goes well from the remainder of the season. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Cheers, uh, Aaron Young there, who is the head coach, um, of course, of the Auckland Tuatara, who set the standard early on in the piece, didn't they? Uh, and then, of course, there was a bit of a levelling out process where other teams started to catch up and uh, imports started to arrive, combinations started to be settled on, people got used to playing with each other. Uh, and now, of course, uh, they've uh, still managed to, to find their way through into the playoffs, but that match-up tomorrow night against the Wellington Saints will be an absolute cracker. We will have that live here on SENZ, live here on SENZ out of Event Finder Stadium up there in Auckland. It's 10.17 here uh, on SENZ. And when we return, we shall have a panel. And our panel today uh, consists of Hamish Bidwell and James Regan. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Talk, talk, talk to me, yeah.
James Regan is uh, part of the panel this morning, as is Hamish Bidwell. Hamish, a uh, very experienced uh, sports writer over the years, focusing on uh, a lot of uh, particular sports, Hamish, uh, including cricket. And uh, Hamish, starting on a sad note today, because uh, one of your co-cricket writers over the years, um, very highly respected journalist, um, David Leggett, passing away uh, just recently uh, on holiday with his family um, on the other side of the world, which is uh, dreadfully, um, dreadfully sad. I, I'm very sad about it. I, I, I really liked him uh, as a person. I liked having a beer with him. Uh, he could write some pointed things about you, but at the end of the day, um, you know, you, you, you kind of understood why. Um, and for me, Hamish, a very, very sad loss at the only the age of 64 of David Leggett. Yeah, I, I, I uh, knew David most of my life. Um, he was a colleague of my father's and... Uh, I saw him socially at that age. Um, I played things like indoor cricket and outdoor cricket with him. He was a great cricket enthusiast. And then when I got into the profession, he was an idol of mine. And touring with him was an absolute pleasure and an education. Sharing press box was the same. Um, You know, I won't lie. We'd we'd duck out together for a a cheeky cigarette from time to time and debate the day's play. He'd tell me great yarns. He was amazing. Dinner company. yeah, this amazing tale of when he was ghosting a column for Imran Khan and bumped in, popped into him his room to say good day and, and make sure the copy was fine and we'd get him to tell that over a few beers and he just was a, a genuine raconteur, a genuine lover of the game, someone who uh, thought for himself, um, asked good questions, wasn't terribly hard on people, never confrontational, but, but always a clear thinker, always holding people to account, a beautiful writer, a beautiful man, um, my father actually texted me the other night to say that he'd heard that David had, had died and I had to get in touch with some colleagues and friends and it's been a sad time because he was someone that we absolutely looked up to. I can't think of anyone more respected and more liked in the industry than David was. No, I, I'm with you. Um, as I said, uh, you know, when you're on the receiving end of articles from time to time as a player or even as a commentator as such, um, you, you can hold a grudge. You, you can tend to be a bit bitter with people for a long period of time but with David Leggett, if you were, it was not for long um, because he was very fair and he know, you'd know that when you had a good day, he would, um, he would acknowledge that as well. He was that kind of man. And, and I don't think, uh, if I can uh, recall my time um, as a player, I don't, uh, I don't uh, remember too many players having um, too many grudges to bear with David Leggett, more so a number of players that were prepared to have a beer with him when he'd, he'd, had his, uh, he'd filed his copy and had his day done, which was usually quite late at night too. Um, so Lego was just a cool guy, a really cool guy. Uh, James, let's um, change tack a wee bit, if we can, please. Uh, I'm still not over uh, the All Blacks. I, d- I did a bit of a sermon this morning, James, on the fact that are we tough enough anymore? Have we actually got the cattle? Uh, aside from the coaching aspect of it, the leadership side of it, have we actually got the hard men that have uh, the equivalent of those that have been bullying us in the last six to seven months, James? Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's just one of the many questions that's coming up and, and continues to come up um, about this about this team because you would have thought that with you know a lot on the line, they would have showed probably much more than they did um, last weekend. They were just so. They were so far off where the Springboks were and the Springboks looked pretty good, but you just felt they had probably another gear to go up as well. So are the players there? Look, I said it last week, these are good players. Like, these are good players. Um, 
Bowden Barrett, Artie Savia, Aaron Smith still, Will Jordan, although you'd love to see him at fullback. But these are good rugby players. Um, there's just something missing from this team. Um, whether it's on the field or off the field, I'm not sure, but there's something missing. And last week showed they are, they're so far off the pace um, and they're, they're going to need something really special to not get really turned over this week at Ellis Park. Hamish, for, for me, we, we, we just don't look hard enough. I mean, we keep saying it week after week, but have we, have we got those hard men? Are we breeding them anymore? No, I, I heard your sermon and I actually wrote something for Rugby Pass along the same lines. Um, no, I thought, I thought the defeat in Bombella was the most sobering of the run that we've had in the, in the sense that the All Blacks are entirely impotent and it doesn't really matter who they pick at tight head prop. It doesn't really matter who the coach is. It doesn't matter what they do in various other parts of the field. They aren't physically able to match uh, the better teams, whether it's scrum time, whether it's over the ball at the breakdown. Um, they just cannot generate any momentum. It doesn't matter whether your average your backline is. It comes down to forwards, and we have we've done that down. We have gone for athletes over uh, you know real genuine rugby players. We've we've favoured the brilliant and the exciting over the stuff that actually wins test match rugby. Now, the laws may change. We're in a cycle now where, as rugby's constituted, we can't compete. And I don't hold Angus Tavao responsible or Nepal Lala and Offa Tungapasi when they were there. They're just simply not capable of matching it. And I think we've got all our thinking wrong. We wouldn't pick Trevor Nyakani. We wouldn't pick Franz Malherba to play super rugby because they're not athletic enough. They don't, they don't offer stuff around the park that we deem to be important. But when it comes to the actual winning of test matches, the skills that those men have, the pressure they're able to exert on the All Blacks, the fact that they're able to generate a penalty from most scrums and then kick it for points, like, we don't possess that. And it's not going to turn up whether Scott Robertson's the coach, it's not going to turn up next week, next month. It's, it's, it, we, we've got a, a rebuilding process of years to confront here because if rugby stays the way it's been played now, we cannot compete because we have valued all the wrong things. Totally agree. Absolutely well said. And I, I, I agree with you. And that's, that's the worrying thing because um, that's what I got out of it, James, uh, at the weekend is the fact we might be a bit powerless to do anything about this for a while uh, until we can find some of those ruthless, hard-nailed, chiselled blokes who bounce people off rather than get bounced off themselves. And, I, you know, the breeding ground for them is what we're experiencing now in the NPC. And 32-all and 36-26 and all these high-powered scorelines, they look great. I mean, wonderful stuff for the replays, etc. But they mean not much when you get up against men who don't want to play that way, James. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And... We've said before that other teams are catching up, and, and at the moment, in that area in particular, with with those that that particular kind of players, they're just streaking past us. And you can bet that South Africa will obviously be there come the World Cup. France and Ireland have shown they will. England will pull something out of the bag. The Wallabies uh, are on the up as well in terms of having that kind of player that you're speaking about. So. And, and you look around Super Rugby and, and those players that aren't in the All Blacks at the moment and you look around NPC and you, you kind of wonder whether where the next player like that is going to come from. Someone who's going to grab the game by the scruff of the neck and, and lead a team uh, into difficult positions or lead them out of difficult positions. Um, 
and you, you just don't see it. You just don't see it. And when that happens and you have to change tact, it comes down to coaching. It comes down to finding new ideas. And new ideas is something that we've seen over the past few weeks against Ireland and, and then that first test against South Africa that the All Blacks just don't have at the moment. They just don't have the ability to try something different or execute something that the opposition doesn't see coming because they get found out. So, it's, yeah, it's more than one area of the game that they're lacking, and that's the real concern because it'll start to become a mental thing soon as well. If you don't don't get a good win or you don't pull something out of the bag, it starts to become a mental thing. Is we we can't win, and that's such a a bizarre situation for an All Blacks team to be in because we've we've hardly ever seen it before. James Regan and Hamish Bidwell are on the panel with us this morning. We shall take a quick news break with Araha, and when we come back, uh, more to talk about across some other codes. Talk, big opinions, the panel. James Regan, Hamish Bidwell are our panellists this morning, and uh, Hamish, I know you're a little bit warm, a little bit tepid uh, about the Commonwealth Games as such, but there was... At the end of the day, some pretty impressive performances, uh, even uh, with the world's best uh, in a lot of areas not being there. Um, a success, would you say, overall? I, I didn't watch a second of it. I haven't read about it. Um, I'm aware that it's on, and I'm aware that New Zealand's done very well, but it hasn't, it hasn't cra- captured my imagination clearly. And in fact, I haven't actually talked to anyone about it um, when you're in this racket, people come to you, oh, did you see this? Would you hear about that? What'd you make of this? I've had any of those in regards to the Commonwealth Games, to be fair. And if I could just go off on a small tangent, we were talking about the rugby before. I've coached a lot of junior rugby. I'm at games every Saturday. I've covered it at every level from Super 15, uh, from First 15 to All Blacks. And we have a fundamental flaw in our coaching where we give it to the big kid or the fast kid and we get them to do their best. Whether you're Bowden Barrett, can you dance through three guys and streak up the field? Rico Ioane, you're a great runner. Here's the ball. Do your best. But we actually have to have a really good think about how we coach rugby and the athletes we want to play it. And, and that, it's going to take years to fix because it goes right down from under 10 to the All Blacks. I think we play a fairly similar way. So sorry for going on that tangent. I wish I had more to offer about the Commonwealth Games, but I'm sure James has got plenty of good opinions. Well, actually, you raise a good point because actually we're coaching contact out of the game, aren't we? Well, to be fair, a lot of kids are shy of it. You know, the school my son goes to, um, the boys have reached intermediate age and they're playing football and hockey because they're frightened of rugby. And, you know, the kids do streak through the middle of defences because no one wants to touch them. They're frightened of them. And you're sort of getting a whole section of society who actually are flagging rugby away because they're, they're not able to compete physically with the other boys who are 12 and 13. You know, they're just so much bigger than them. And... You know, that's it, a really complicated issue, and there are heaps of strands to it. But I think when it, I think it hurts us when we get to, to adult rugby because we don't have. It was the game for all New Zealand. We all remember Peter Bush's iconic book with all those photographs of the game from all levels. It's not the game for all New Zealand now. They're all a fairly similar athlete. Everyone in a rugby team, and we don't have shapes and sizes and strengths and weaknesses like we did. And that's that's a big issue for the game. Have got that book. It's a great book. Absolutely right. Great images. Uh, James Regan, uh, Commonwealth Games for you, my old friend. Yeah. Yeah, I've, um, through, through work, had to, to do a, a little bit on it, and it's been enjoyable. Um, you, you do have to take it with a little bit of perspective that it isn't the Olympics. 
but not the you know the U, the USA's of this world and everyone aren't there. Um, but you, in terms of the athletes, you can only play what's in front of you, and they've played it pretty well, especially in like our cyclists have just been amazing, uh, and the way the whole team has carried themselves. And there have been a couple of disappointments, um, but in terms of the spectacle that you want it to be, and and the measured expectations you have with the with the Commonwealth Games, it's been pretty good, uh, and and it's a platform to show Kiwis and New Zealanders what you can do with other sports aside from rugby and football and and whatever. Um, that you know, if you want to be a track cyclist or a swimmer, there's a a stage for you to go and perform, which I think is probably a little bit a little bit of an oversight when it and it, the you know it always comes up about funding, but these sports need funding to attract uh, athletes. So it's been good. I, I've enjoyed it, and and well done to all the athletes that have medal because it, it's still it's still a tough road to get there. That's for sure. I wasn't here yesterday when the boys dissected the the Warriors' performance, uh, James. But uh, what I hear this morning is uh, losing another player. This time, uh, Eli Katoa, uh leaving the Warriors to go to the Storm next season. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping that this isn't another case of a young Warriors player leaves the system and goes to a club like perfectly the Melbourne Storm and within a couple of years he's a Dalian forward of the year. Um Elias Gatoa is, is a good player with a lot of potential. He's probably been a victim of not having a good reserve grade side to consistently be in and, and work his way up to NRL. He's kinda had to learn a lot about the game in the NRL, which is, which is hard for a player. There's no doubt about it. But you also do leave uh, and go on to have a, a really successful career. You have to ask questions, well, why couldn't they have done that at the Warriors? Why wasn't the culture right for them? Why wasn't you know the group right for them? Or why wasn't the club right for them at all? So personally for Elia, I hope he goes on and has a good career. But for the Warriors, you, you'd... you'd kind of be looking and holding your breath going, oh, you know, I hope we didn't let another one go, which they have done so many times in the past. And they're on about, you know, trying to rebuild the ranks and rebuild the junior system. Ali Katoa is one of those who's come up uh, through the club and, you know, all the best to him. But from a Warriors point of view, man, hopefully it's, it's not a huge loss. Yep, that'll be the one that bites them again, I'm sure, in, um, in the years ahead. But uh, can't do much about it. He is gone. Um, one of the good stories about um, motor racing this year has been uh, the continued emergence of uh, our two guys overseas. Dixon's undoubted now. Of course, uh, Scott Dixon um, is, uh, is just setting records um, that will take a long time to be beaten. Uh, and Scott McLaughlin, of course, uh, second him on the podium at the weekend in Nashville. Um, I, I think this is pretty cool, Hamish. I, I've never confessed to being a big motor racing fan, but um, I, I'm taking a real interest in this side of it now. We grew up with it in my house because my father spent his childhood at places like Wigram watching the NZ Grand Prix and people like Sterling Moss and Jack Brevin come over to New Zealand to race and so I got my fair fill of it. And I'm delighted for, for McLaughlin. He's a wonderful ambassador for New Zealand. He's a huge loss to be at supercars, but just a tremendous personality, a tremendous talent. And for him to go over to the States and be this competitive this quickly is, is remarkable and, and testament to the man's talent and hard work. Dixon is Dixon doesn't get his due. It's one of those things where you're based overseas. We tend to sort of overlook your achievements at times. But he is a great New Zealand athlete. And 
you know, points to go past AJ Foyt as the most successful driver in IndyCar history. And we, we hold Formula One up on a pedestal, and it's certainly got a worldwide appeal that perhaps Indy racing doesn't have. But that shouldn't for a second diminish the achievement of Dixon, and certainly not the emergence of McLaughlin, who, um, who's a, a rare talent and, and a great ambassador for this country. Hamish Bidwell, James Regan, uh, from very... Uh Strong thoughts there on a number of issues. Um, we'll have another panel tomorrow morning. Thank you, gentlemen, for your time. Um, we'll be back uh, very shortly. It's 10.41 here on SENZ. 10.46 here on SENZ. And uh, about a month ago, we spoke to uh, the lovely Joelle King uh, when she was home to play in the New Zealand Champs uh, about um, uh, looking forward to the Commonwealth Games. And uh, now that it's done and dusted, this is what she had to say about her experience to the Brecky boys this morning. When you win a gold medal, you, your expectation is gold. And um, to come in, you know, top seed, it was something I hadn't actually experienced before, you know. Um, there was a lot of different emotions this time. A lot of, I felt very stressed um, in the singles and just wanting, you know, to do my best, but it just came up short. Um, but, you know, it's, it's one of those things I was absolutely devastated for two days, you know. Anytime I saw a sad post or... Someone just said something to me. I cried, and I was really disappointed in myself. Um, but that's that's the village around me. They all got behind me. Um, not just not just the squashies, my family, the wider New Zealand team. You know, just seeing other athletes, and they were just wishing me to to get back up and and go again. You know, and I just I lo- sort of sat in my room, and I was like, I don't want to be defined by this one. You know, the singles. Yeah, I lost, but. I gave it everything I had on, on each day and it, it came up short. Um, so let's go back and, and prove myself in the doubles and, you know, to go through a mixed doubles event at the Commonwealth Games and a, a women's event and not even drop a game, I think that's just testament to um, my character and, and how my partners actually helped me and carried me through. Yeah. That, hey, Joel. thanks a lot for sharing that vulnerability with us. And, and we did, you know, obviously notice that there was um, a lot of stress after that, that singles match that uh, you didn't pull off, but you came back, as you said, won two gold medals, this uh, testament to your character. For, for the listeners there, what is that like to sort of dig yourself out of that moment where there's a little bit of despair, there's a little bit of distress. Do you use a certain technique or was it just that you surrounded yourself with good people and, and started to, um, again, just message right within yourself to say, right, I, I'm, I am good, I can do this, I've still got more more games to go out there and win gold medals? Yeah, I think there was a, a number of things that really helped. Um, you know, number one, the people that you have around you are really important. So my coaches, um like within my New Zealand team, but my coaches that are with me, you know, in my own individual career, my sports psychologist. Um, but a big part of it was actually my family. Like no one knows you better than your family, right? And having these phone calls with my brother, my dad, you know, one day I just, my dad called me and I just cried on the phone with him and he said, it's okay, you know, just just let it out, I'm, I'm here. So I think it's important also when you're feeling that way to actually let it out sometimes we try to be too hard and push those emotions down and that can come back to bite you a little bit later um and if you haven't actually dealt with it because it's it's like going through a bit of grief you know um sport is full of big highs and very big lows um and dealing with the grief and letting it out is a big part of how you can move on so i think those two days actually served me really well to just let it out um 
and then yeah, just just conversations with people, and you know, I I was the one night I was, I was awake till about three a.m. just sobbing in my room, and the next morning I woke up and I I was just felt really determined is the word that comes to mind. I I wanted to go back on that court. Sometimes you know when something like that happens, you can be a bit scared of going back on the court. I wanted to go back out there and and just prove to myself that this doesn't define me. You know this. This is just one loss, and it doesn't mean it's the end or anything like that. So how are you going to come back and, and be stronger? And I thought, I just want to make myself proud. Uh-huh. And honestly, this is probably one of the proudest weeks of my life, to be honest. <laughs> Very uh, serious um, sort of reflection too, wasn't it, from Joelle King? She went she went backwards uh, after that uh, singles demise, and um, she had to get a bit of help, a bit of family background, of course, and uh, we all tend to do that from time to time, not in just sport. Uh, but uh, her ability to regroup and uh, get alongside uh, her doubles partners and come away now with uh, two golds to take home to show back to those uh, family that supported her. Heck of a good story coming out of the Commonwealth Games, and there were many, many of them. Uh, We'll be back very shortly with uh, a chat with Louis Herman Watt um, and uh, a visit to the TAB just before 11 o'clock. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan. 10.56, time to talk to Louis Herman Watt for me for the first time this week. You might have talked about it yesterday, but the Cossack, no good day in Melbourne over the weekend, Louis. No, just over-raced, didn't he? Did you see the race, Smithy? He just... Um, no, w- w- wasn't able to, Louis, sorry, no. He tended to, he, look, he has done this from time to time, I heard Paul Nelson saying, but he just tended to over-race a little bit, just never got comfy in the run. Look, I thought he was actually, <laughs> here we go, jumps jockey Herman Watt, yeah, sure. Uh, I actually thought he was jumping well enough, but just didn't go with them. And then that Saunton boy mm. um, just, kept, he just kept finding, and he actually didn't jump well the first couple. So, look, I was under the suspicion that maybe our jumpers would be able to go over to Australia and not have a standard difference. I don't want to be laying claims that that's not true because I don't actually have enough knowledge to be able to claim that. But maybe our jumpers aren't at the same pace the Aussies are and maybe it's kind of like the flat races. I don't know. That's just, that is just food for thought. Please do not come after me, the jumps community, because I know you are very passionate people. Speaking of the jumpers, though, Smithy, tomorrow there's the uh, Grand National Hurdle and uh, Dummy Myers, he's got a mortgage on the race. He's got about 100 runners in it. All at four dollars. That's obviously hyperbole, but happy star. I reckon when you get multiple, this is like this reminds me of you know Jamie Richards or Mark Walker or Tiaka or whoever when they've got four, four or five two year olds in the Karaka Million, and you go, yeah, but which one's Opie riding? I reckon there could be a touch of this with Sean Phelan and Happy Star, who won a flat race on Saturday. Has won one hurdle before, but never gone over the 4,600, I think it is. Um, Sean Phelan jumps on Happy Star, and I think that's a massive telltale sign. It won the flat race. It's rock hard fit. It's well scored because it's a dummy Myers runner, and I think it could be hard to stop. So that would be which one of the $104 shots I'd be taking. Good on you. Louis Herman Watt there with some uh, early uh, look at that big race tomorrow. Um, Brendan Popper will with us this morning. Uh, BP, I just checked out the rugby odds. Can't remember the last time, if ever, the All Blacks were at $2.70 in a test match. Opposition South Africa at $1.47. Oh, it's incredible, isn't it? And it was the same last week, of course, 
All Blacks uh, not favourite to 220, and uh, you sort of had to go back a long time to be able to find a price like that. And understandable with where their price is with how things panned out last week. And we've had 50,000 on South Africa is our biggest bet, uh, and that will sort of hold things up for the week in terms of our, our biggest bet coming through on any sport. So on the 147 price on South Africa. What about things more immediate? We're looking towards the uh, Major League Baseball. I want to pinpoint three matches here in the run line. Uh, we've got Oakland up against uh, the Angels. Overs, seven and a half runs, eighty. well played. The New York Mets are also playing shortly. Over nine runs at eighty. And a little bit later on this afternoon, Baltimore match against Toronto. We've seen really good money on under nine and a half runs at $1.79. And we can't forget, too, about the MPC tomorrow, where all the money is around Auckland at $1.08, and also on the point start against Manawatu uh, at 19.5. And, of course, Smithy, you and I, we can't wait for that first shield challenge uh, for the MPC season. They've had two defences so far, and Hawks Bay are dominant favourites against Counties Monaco on Friday. We are uh, dominant favourites, uh, BP, but um, thanks very much for that. I did note that uh, Counties Monaco showed a lot of fortitude um, and uh, beating um, Otago at the weekend. I shall also tell you um, one of the times uh, I've been sidelined and the Shield has changed hands uh, from Hawke's Bay, it was Counties Manico that took it off them. Very worried, very respectful of the county side coming up. It is 10.59 here on SENZ. Almost news time with Araha. Going to go as uh, far away as we possibly can from the All Blacks and rugby. We're going to talk some esports now because it's recently entered a new territory, well established in the entertainment industry with plenty of money being thrown around by the professionals. It took steps into a more traditional sporting arena over the weekend in Birmingham. The E-Blacks took to the stage with some of our best E-athletes flying the flag for New Zealand, going as far as the Dota bronze medal match against India. Producer Logan Swinkles, uh, he's more up on these things than I ask, fair to say, uh, spoke with uh, Jonathan yesterday uh, following the completion of the Commonwealth Tournament. If you would like to hear that full extended interview, check out the SENZ app or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, we've just seen the Commonwealth Esports Championship in Birmingham. New Zealand were there. They had a presence. And joining us now here on SCNZ is Jonathan Jansen, the CEO of the New Zealand Esports Federation. How are you doing, mate? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks to uh, thanks for giving us a call and, and being on the show today. Yeah, no worries. Uh, I mean, obviously, this is the inclusion uh, for esports as a like a demonstration sport uh, away from the main games. Now that's all wrapped up and you've got some late nights uh, behind you. What have been like your overall impressions of the esports championship there? Uh, look, honestly, going into this, I think it delivered exactly what we expected. Um, was that we've sort of known in the esports world that this hasn't been our pinnacle event. Like esports has grown up in the world of entertainment and it's lived in a world with millions of eyeballs and these massive shows and, and crazy big salaries. But this was the first time for esports to kind of lean more into the sports world and represent your country, not a pro team or a franchise and kind of have some national pride behind it. And we wanted to see, like we, we thought that it would hit differently, like it would feel different to represent your country. And I think that's really what this event has proven is that, you know, you see players on stage, you know, crying and, and they just get emotional because they've done something really phenomenal in, in representing their country. And so it has really resonated, I think, with the players as well as their communities and their parents. And so, yeah, we're really, we're really proud with how our team did and how the event was received overall. 
Awesome. I mean, New Zealand, you know, would have a much smaller player pool compared to some of the other countries that were taking part. Did the E-Blacks have any level of expectation going into this tournament? Um, it's hard because, you know, we do have a smaller player pool, um, but we, 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 we get some fairly good level of competition versus Australia. But because something like this hasn't happened before, you know, it, it was really hard for us to determine, like, do we stand a chance against England? Do we stand a chance against Malaysia? Um, because it's very rare in the esports world to first a whole country like that. So I think the teams knew that, you know, they were going to get some good experience. I don't know if they know how well they were going to do, um, but we were really proud of how they did. Like JMK King, uh, who was our eFootball representative, he went over to compete in a FIFA event in Denmark prior to the games, then went and boot camped in France uh, for about a week and a half beforehand, and he did phenomenally. Like, there was there was one moment that could have been the difference between him making potentially a gold medal appearance, silver gold medal appearance, and just not making it through pools. And so, you know, we were we were really stoked how they performed. How do you feel the uh, the E Blacks handled that pressure of representing their country in you know a historical event like this? Like you talk about how you know this isn't necessarily the pinnacle event for esports, and it, it, like you said, it hits completely different. It's a different vibe. But yeah, how do you think they handled it? Uh, from what I've heard, like I wasn't on the ground, unfortunately. Um, but I think they they probably did well. It's hard to tell because the results didn't show through. Like we, we probably would have seen a couple of results to go on slightly differently. To give you an example, um, JMK King, our e-football player again, his, his final pool match was against Wales, who was top of the table. And Wales went through to win the bronze medal match and only just lost to Malaysia, who won the gold medal in penalties. And so incredibly even skill across the board. And JMK King actually had two or three opportunities. He won the first game best of three, and he had two or three opportunities to like very, very concisely close out the game. It just didn't go his way. And so I think during the pressure, maybe the stage got to him. You know, maybe maybe that whole high high pressure environment ended up making the difference on the day. But still happy with how they performed. Uh, you mentioned JMK King, also New Zealand. The E Blacks had the Dota team over as the, over there as well. They made it through to the bronze medal match, uh, going down to India. I actually saw the replay of that on Sky Sport, which is pretty cool to kind of get that level of exposure in itself. But what was the road like for them to get there to that bronze medal match? Yeah, so I mean, we started our campaign earlier in the year for the whole Commonwealth run up. Um, so these guys, the, the cool thing about esports is that you could literally have a team of, of, of mates across from anywhere. And it's not like a selection process. We don't pick the best players from various teams and make a super team. This team came up all the way through from the grassroots level. Um, so we, they ended up qualifying for New Zealand. We versed Australia. Um, we went through to the Commonwealth representing New Zealand because Oceania only had one slot. Uh, unfortunately, one of their pool games played out. They played Malaysia in the pool matches, who ended up walking away with the gold medal. And so they lost to obviously Malaysia in that sense. They versed England in the playoffs. Uh, unfortunately, that was a closer game. They lost that as well. England took the silver medal in the end. And then their final game was against India. Incredibly close. Um, it was a best of three. They almost took one of the games, but they ended up losing that 2-0. They were really well prepared. Um, but unfortunately, it's just one of those things that on the day they didn't quite come across. Going into something like the Commonwealth tournament there for these esports athletes, what kind of support did the uh, NZESF provide them? So we've actually um, been working pretty closely with Sport New Zealand and High Performance Sport New Zealand specifically on this because I think one of the things that um, you know maybe general listeners don't realize is that 
we don't view esports as gaming as the same thing. In the same way that, you know, going to the beach with your mates and throwing a ball around doesn't make you a rugby player. You know, going home and jumping on the, on the console doesn't make you an esport athlete. And so when these guys are preparing for their event, um, it means, you know, watching their nutrition, watching their sleep patterns, um, how to, to, to have your mind in the best condition. Because basically, traditionally, the Commonwealth Games or the Olympics is about, you know, how can we find, finding the people finding the maximum human potential, like the physical human potential, how far can we push the body? And I think the introduction of esports is, is such an interesting concept because it's how far can we push the human mind? Um, and so to have the fastest, sharpest, most focused mind, the physical well-being is a pretty important aspect to that. And so they are focusing on what they're eating, how they're training. Um, there's obviously the game knowledge and the actual improvement, the mechanical improvement for the game itself. But a big part of it was their physical health. And so we had support from High Performance Sport New Zealand on life coaches, nutrition, um, all those things I mentioned earlier, to try and give them the best chance possible. And I think we were probably one of the countries, the few countries that had the, the support to do that. And so they were, they were pretty well prepared going in, but you know we're a smaller... Pr- talent pool like you mentioned earlier um i think we've got potential to do well in the future so you're getting the you know the athletes are getting a lot of support there uh i mean the competition didn't go the way that you were probably hoping for this time around but what needs to be done do you think for the e-blacks to close that gap with some of these other countries that you're up against it's a really interesting question i think it's something that that we're still kind of exploring to see what exactly it means to be a high performance, like what does the high performance esports look like? Um, some countries who are really far ahead just have massive amounts of people, massive t- talent pools, and they kind of, um, you know, have those, those once in a generation superstars. I think for us, it's learning around how do we break down the stigma? How do we make it more part of our culture? Like we have a, a wildly successful high school league, for example. So we have over 250 secondary school teams competing in esports every weekend. Um, and how do we help grow that talent and nurture them through to the higher levels of play? And I think if we can do that and we can develop that more over the years and build more of a culture around it, we might start seeing some, some, you know, really fantastic results. I mean, I'm ecstatic that we even got to a bronze medal match (laughs) and I'm so stoked with how our e-football player, um, performed because I think, you know, he had a world-class performance. And people are talking about us. People globally, people look at New Zealand and go, "Wow, like that's a we are well developed, defined team with a good strategy." And so, I'm really proud with how the players went. You brought up the whole the high school uh, participation in the leagues there. Since you know its inclusion as a demo sport for these com games, I mean, I sort of a two part question here: Have you seen a greater interest from you know kids and parents alike about getting involved? And on the other side of that, how? accessible is esports in New Zealand right now? So I think um, the first part in terms of involvement, yes, we've seen more people getting involved. We're, we're seeing massive growth, you know, year on year in terms of esports as it's becoming more accepted. And I think this was a pinnacle turning point or sort of a critical turning point um, for parents to understand like, what is it exactly, you know, my kids are doing? And, and how does it benefit them? And is it a real thing? This adds a lot of credibility to that, to that argument. Um, and so, yes, it's, it's progressive. It's increasing participation. And that's awesome. Your second question was about. Uh, my second question was about just how accessible is esports in New Zealand right now? I mean, you have, you know, high school leagues and stuff, but, you know, say a kid saw, you know, 
the the Dota team or saw JMK uh, King perform or play, you know, how accessible is the sport? Like, can they just jump in and join a club? Yeah, it's, it's becoming more accessible, um, but there's always going to be that technology barrier. So we're super lucky in New Zealand because we have phenomenal internet infrastructure, right? Like most places in New Zealand, you can get fiber, you can connect low latency and you can play, you, you can play high, you know, high fidelity esports. Um, so we only have the problem of hardware and, you know, do you need a PS5? Do you need a, a high spec computer? Thankfully, we have a lot of schools. We have a lot of local libraries, communities, councils who are getting on board and are creating these gaming spaces for kids to go because they realize that esports and gaming and education actually go hand in hand. Um, in the future, we're wanting to do things with, you know, basketball clubs, motorsport clubs, football clubs. And so you might better compete with your regional football club physically, but also for their esports team. And you can go to a, you know, the, the football club and actually use their facilities to compete on. And so I think as this keeps progressing, the accessibility gap is going to you know, get, get uh, smaller and smaller. Now, I've seen uh, the CEO for the 2026 Victoria Games mentioned that they haven't received a formal uh, expression of interest yet from the Global Esports Federation. Do you think that's going to come? I'm optimistic. I'm positive. I'm, I feel it. I'd like to see it coming, but obviously I don't know anything that you don't either. Um, in terms of that, I think the formal request has to come through. We, we kind of, we had a flag in the sand of saying, you know, the 2032 Olympics might be where we see esports in the Olympic schedule. Um, you know, I think that we showed a successful showing at these Commonwealth games uh, as a pilot event for the 2026 Commonwealth event. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if it came through. You know, I'm feeling good about it. But until until the letter crosses the desk, you know, we don't know. Now, this is going to be the uh, gamer in me coming out. If this is an avenue for esports to go down, I was thinking about this and I, I liken it to, you know, swimming or athletics where you've got this overarching sport and then within it, you've got all these different disciplines. So what, are, what do you think are some video games that would make a great esports discipline for the Com games? Uh, I think that's what they tried to really uh, test this time around because they had, you know, eFootball, which is easy to watch for everyone. It's just, you know, it's football. If you've got bad eyes, you probably wouldn't even know the difference. Um, you've got Rocket League, which is your cars playing football. Again, really easy for a, a non-gamer person to watch and absorb. And then you've got, uh, we had Dota, which is, if you don't know how Dota works, good luck trying to pick it up if you're a viewer who's never seen it before. And so I think these insights were kind of really useful for them to determine what might be successful in future com game formats. Um, I'd say there's always going to be those traditional sports simulator games like football or a basketball game or something similar. Um, I'd love to see some of the more really wildly popular esports titles come out there like League of Legends or Valorant because from an audience point of view, you know, if you've got a game with 180 million monthly players, you know, if that's a country, that's like the eighth largest country in the world. It's just an insane amount of people. I think if you had a tournament around that type of title, it would be, you know, success on a whole new level. You talk about, you know, the inclusion of something like eFootball because people recognize it. It's just, it's soccer, but in digital form. What about uh, like racing games, you know, like Forza or Gran Turismo or something like that? Do you think there's the uh, possibility that something like that could be included in the future? I think it's definitely interesting. Like we, we run, um, we've got the Monaco world cup coming up in October. Um, where we have any black, you know, representing New Zealand in. And so those events kind of are out there, 
but I think it becomes kind of interesting to say, you know, if motorsport's not in the Commonwealth, does esport motorsport make it there first? <laughs> and so it'll be it'll be interesting to see. I think it's definitely possible, um, but I'm not sure if it, uh, you know, when it will cross the line. You know, for anyone who's just kind of clicking onto it now and just seeing esports for the first time, but they want to learn more, where can they go, Jonathan? So number one place to go is uh, the New Zealand esports website. So esf.nz, whether you're a parent, um, whether you're a coach, whether you want to get involved and start competing yourself or even just volunteer, see what events are coming up. Um, all of that information is available on our website, uh, which is esf.nz. Love you know you to be involved. If you're feeling real dangerous, maybe you want to join the Discord um, and step out of your comfort zone. We have a Discord as well with lots of um, community members involved. And so, yeah, just get involved, see what it's about. I may have uh, just done that myself the other day, actually. Uh, <laughs> Jonathan Jansen, uh, CEO of New Zealand Esports Federation, thanks so much for your time. Thank you very much. Fascinating, fascinating interview there. And uh, one of the reasons that really um, broke my ears up was the numbers involved, the numbers of people that are involved, the number of, of uh, people watching, etc. And I, I guess uh, what it does, Logan, it just sort of um, provides another answer as to where our young sporting people are going. Uh, and, and this avenue for them is obviously more more wide, more open, the door is more open than, than we actually give it credit for. Oh, definitely. I mean, I sort of think, Smithy, and like, I, I've got a young daughter at home, not even two years old yet, and I just think, what would sport look like uh, then when she's in school, when she's in high school? And I think this is going to be a big part of it. And, you know, we talk about the Commonwealth Games and the Olympics in particular. That's the pinnacle of sport for a lot of people, right? Not so much with esports, but they, they're obviously they're welcome to the idea of sort of joining the uh, the sporting realm side of things, the more traditional arena there. Uh, and, you know, it can be pretty accessible. Like he said uh, in that interview, New Zealand, we're very lucky here. We've got the good infrastructure. Australia, not so much. Uh, but, you know, it's definitely a future thing there. It's it's building up really well in the high in high schools by the sound of things. So it's definitely one of the ones on the up there, Smithy. Well, it's safe. It's got no contact about it. When I say it's safe, it's safe physically. I'm not sure about the, the mental side of things that it has and how much it dominates um, the brain side of things in terms of uh, thinking about other things in life I'm, I'm not sure if it's got to that point yet it's, it's I mean, talking like drug like actually or addiction like but um, you know I, I don't know in terms of uh, actual physical contact certainly it's, it's a safe way to go and, and you, you talk about what Commonwealth Games might look like in say 2030 and that's uh, what Hamilton Ontario are wanting they want the Commonwealth Games there again uh, well it'll be the fourth time uh, in Canada actually um, and uh, they've launched a multi-sport event uh, with the Niagara Falls providing the backdrop for beach volleyball and a push to add men's cricket to the program. Uh, they say, uh, without jinxing it, we are clearly the punitive favourite, if only because we have invested so much time and energy into actually creating a proposal. The only other country we are hearing rumblings about is New Zealand. Oh, I haven't heard too many rumblings about that and uh, in New Zealand at this point, so... Uh, they might get it single-handedly. I mean, is it getting to the point where people don't want the Commonwealth Games? It's uh, not a blue-ribboned event as it used to be. I know. Well, I wouldn't have thought so on what I've just witnessed at Birmingham. They seem to embrace it quite nicely. 11.21 here. We'll get some text out of the way when we return. Just doing some maths, actually, around the Commonwealth Games. And say uh, Hamilton, Ontario, were get uh, able to get the 2030 ver- version, 
uh, that would leave 2034 up for grabs. Now, what, what a great thing it would be for Christchurch, perhaps, to go for that, 2034, with a brand-new stadium up and running and everything ticking over nicely there. Uh, and, of course, it's uh, 60 years, or it'll be 60 years uh, since the last time Christchurch hosted it, way back in 1974, and how, what a remarkable occasion that was and how successful it was. So maybe there's uh, something in the pipeline there, 2034, Christchurch, New Zealand, home of the Commonwealth Games, or do we even want it? Right, let's uh, get it uh, stuck into some of uh, your texts. Uh, hi, Smithy, do you reckon the box were offside at times last week and a different ref might penalise them more often? Well, uh, Jamie, referees uh, and, uh, of course, most of those offside lines are also guided by the assistant referees as well. Uh, they work as a combination. Sometimes, I guess, they decide they're going to be very hard on it, particularly early in the match. Uh, sometimes, um, you know, you don't see too many massive offside penalties in the last four or five minutes do you as opposed to the first quarter of the match so depends how it's uh, refereed Jamie I think all sides now are probably guilty of uh, pushing the envelope a wee bit too far there but until uh, referees take a, a really uh, consistent perspective on it I'm not quite sure that um, anything will be doing much about it it's not surprising I mean uh, Jamie what you watch a game of rugby these days you really are uh, keeping one eye on the referee just to when his arm goes out to be honest and now you can hear them as well um, that's such a dominant factor. Uh, Carlos has come in and says, uh, com commiserations to the SEN team and listeners in Australia. It's been a tough week. Yesterday losing to Judith Durham, of course, a fantastic singer out of the Seekers, grew up with the Seekers, and today uh, Olivia Newton-John. Sports aside, these are icons we grew up listening to. Absolutely right, Carlos. We may be a sports station, but we should not forget uh, the contributions that those two wonderful women have met to uh, music and entertainment over the years and a uh, real shock uh, for Olivia Newton-John to catch up with that news this morning. Uh, good morning, Ian. Uh, yes, huge congratulations to the Commonwealth team. Superb effort across the board. AB's uh, how far can you kick a dead horse? Well, that's true. They have to decide on a solution to this coaching issue, which has become very tiresome. Agree. You could be right. Uh, maybe we don't have the cattle or the coach, but something needs to change. Something will change very shortly, Brian. I'm picking... Smithy, if rugby wasn't so slow enough already, what's with all these bloody water breaks in the NPC? It's midwinter, for goodness sake. Just make them. It makes the game harder to watch. Totally agree with that too. Uh, Jeremy uh, has come and said, how good was the NPC start? Otago vs Counties, the battle of the bridge, the passion and drive to get the win from all. You can't beat watching Franks, Bridge, Grace, Christie, Drummond at your local ground, even if they tore your team apart. On the ABs, there is a cattle problem. First, there's not the skill for the fast game offloads. Size, we don't have bigger players. If they are bigger, they're told to drop weight. I think it needs to come in tighter. Just give it to a go when uh, with a lighter pack. Even with a lighter pack, more forwards on the bench. The other thing, can size be put on quickly? More meat and milk. Bulk them up in a year or two, says Jeremy. Interesting. Uh, let's have a look uh, at what Zane has got to say. I always enjoy this. I'm not convinced eSport is actually sport. I see it as a competitive hobby, but uh, not sport. Just because a lot of people participate in, in a hobby doesn't mean it should be in the Olympics. I think it's great for people to get in behind it, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, just not convinced it's a sport. I'd put it in the same category as snooker, darts, chess, etc. They are games, but not sports. Um, yeah, it's a good point. I, I, I actually would, was thinking myself the other day that it wouldn't be that far away till darts gets in. Darts gets into uh, the, the Commonwealth Games in particular. I was just thinking, purely from an entertainment point of view, tickets would sell out in no time at all. 
Uh, Peter Mack has come in. I'm not sure, but I think a large number of the present ABs have not had the culture shock of playing multiple games in South Africa. That in itself needs to be taken into account. I'm old enough to remember the days when we had South Africans rest when we toured. These are our best players at the moment, so let's develop the team. The state of grassroots rugby is our problem. We keep promoting our admins to their level of incompetence, a professional game with an amateur administration. Peter Mack with his thoughts there. Uh, very interesting text uh, across the board. Uh, look forward to getting some more of those tomorrow on double eight double three. And now, though, we've got to emphasise the phone line at 0800 150 811. 0800 150 811. It's stump smithy time. Here's the news with Araha. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. So top class, in fact, that any time someone seems to step up in his place, they just can't fit the gloves, Smithy. We had no luck there with uh, Daniel McCarty yesterday, so it's great to have you back, that's for sure. Well, I wouldn't say I've actually done the job proud myself. I don't, can't remember the last time I got a stumping, and I can't remember the last time we got it up to around 200 bucks, which is, I think, once only in our history, which was dying on pathetic. Oof. So I think we've got to... I think uh, we've got to be better. We've just got to be simply better at it. I think we've got to be harder up front. I think we've got to start making a few more tackles, a few more aggressive hits on a, a few of our contestants. Um, and I, I think I need some uh, referee bias as well at some point along the way. So I'm, I'm all not those sure. Factors coming into, <laughs> I'm yeah. not sure if you're talking about yourself or the All Blacks here, Smithy. Oh, God knows. I've been talking about the All Blacks that much. I think I uh, probably <laughs> am. I'm not sure. But okay, who have we got up for grabs first? Who, who are we going to knock over first up? Uh, so off it grabs today is a $50 TAB bonus bet. First out the crease for us, we have Jade from Hamilton. Come in, mate. Hey, mate. How are you? Good. How's H-Town? Oh, look, it's, I can see the sky today, so it's not too bad. <laughs> mate, the way things have been going in New Zealand lately with the weather, I chalk that down to a win. Now, you know how we play the game? These are the topics for you, and they're all very much staples of the game of Stumped. Today's topics are cricket, rugby, and golf. Uh, we'll try our hand at rugby today. All right. Good luck to you both. See how you go handling the in the uh, breakdown here, Jade. First question. After four rounds, which team leads the Farapama Cup? Are upon the cup. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say Canterbury. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Canterbury and rugby is always a good guess, isn't it, Smithy? Well, it is, uh, but it's a knowledgeable guess as well. And of course, they were knocked over by Waikato in uh, the final of the Farapama Cup last year, and you couldn't, or even from that point onwards, you got the feeling that they were going to be very competitive this year, and they look a good unit. They certainly do. Yeah, as potentially this game of Stumped goes, uh, we'll see. Second question for you, Jade and Smithy. Who was named the NPC's Player of the Year for the 2020 season? 2020? Uh, I will go COVID. Let's say Richie Moana. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. That's interesting because when I tested these questions on Niv, who's been looking after our phones today, he said Richie as well. Incorrect though, Smithy, over to you. Right, no, 2020. 2020 NPC Player of the Year. 
Ash Dixon. One of the worst things I have ever seen done Should on a cricket field. Play, well, wow, halfback for the Hawks Bay. Falau Fakatava was the name I was looking for. Oh, God, he couldn't have done it, though, without Ash Dixon, <laughs> let's be fair. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay, fair enough. I knew, you'd, I knew you'd pick one of your boys, Smithy. Uh, but uh, stinks. Well, we're such a good side, that's why. <laughs> very, very true. Uh, last question for you, Jade. $50 TAB bonus bet still up for grabs. On this day in 2003, the All Blacks played South Africa at Carisbrook, winning 19-11, and that was also to secure the Tri-Nations. With one try apiece, it was decided with the boot. So who was kicking the penalties for the All Blacks that day? 2003? Mm-hmm. Oh. Would well, either be Andrew Mertens or Daniel Carter. Ah, uh, no. We'll go with Mertz, eh? One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Smithy, 2003. Who was kicking the penalties for the All Blacks that day? God almighty. I don't know when these guys retired, that's the problem. Um, 2000, 2004, 2007, uh, this, this is going to be um, um, a left-field guess. Simon Colhane. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. The answer I was looking for, gentlemen, the king, Carlos Spencer. Oh, no, that's bad. Should get that. That's really, really bad. I'm terse and surly with myself there. So I guess that means, I guess that means, I mean, lost again. Yeah, uh, yeah, Jade, that does mean you win the $50 TAB bonus bet today for playing Stumped. Awesome. Cheers, guys. Down the line, uh, Jade and Niv will get your, de- get your details and uh, we'll get that money to you as, as soon as we possibly can and we shall have another Another uh, chance at uh, Stump Smithy at 11.30 tomorrow. King Carlos, eh? Do you reckon King Carlos... What chance of King Carlos being fight for life again, you reckon? Next to nil? Had to fight... Had to fight... Uh, had to fight uh, a battle at home to be able to get uh, to be there in the first place. Yeah. Didn't go so well. You reckon... Hung up his gloves, you think? I think it depends on what his wife says, to be honest. Uh, I, I don't think he will be back in the ring. Um, yeah, but, I mean, hey, King Carlos, legend all the same, Smithy. Yeah, absolute legend. Uh, 11.39 here on SENZ, and goddamn, should have got that one. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com.